Hello, my rebels. Uh, today's podcast is about Chinese censorship that is happening here in Canada. They're not just censoring Chinese people in China. They're chi censoring, people, censoring people here in Canada, too. I'll prove it to you. Hey, before I do, can you consider becoming a premium subscriber of The Rebel? Just go to premium.rebelnews.com, and it's eight bucks a month. And you get the video version of the show, and you get access to other shows, too, by Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies. That's premium.rebelnews.com. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, China starts to censor Canadians right here in Canada. Does anyone even care? It's December 5th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Thank consumer you. I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Yesterday, we talked about the risks of letting Huawei get its tentacles into Canada's telecommunications infrastructure. I'm really worried about it. Why are we letting Huawei, China's largest high-tech company, build our northern telephone and internet network? There is no good place for Huawei in Canada at all, but I suppose other than hiring Huawei to literally build our military's computer network, really the north? That has everything China wants to know, our, our industry, our mining, our our national defense, our surveillance efforts, and imagine them having the ability to throw some kill switch at a key moment. It's just nuts that we're letting them in. It's like when the United States built a new embassy in Moscow during the Cold War, but let Russian construction workers build it. Of course, they salted the building with countless listening devices built right in. The whole building was bugged. It was unusable. I have no idea why they were stupid enough to do that. I mean, seriously, what were they thinking? Maybe they'd save a few bucks by hiring Russian workers? But that was back in the day when you literally had to plant a listening device, really a very small radio transmitter. That's why it was called a bug, because typically it was small and had some wires, so it looked like a bug. Now you don't need to physically plant a bug when you can get the person you're spying on to, to carry the bug around with them. Their cell phone, the apps in the phone, and in the case of Huawei, the telecom networks. No need to plant a bug on you. You willingly carry the bug in your hand, talk into the bug, type into the bug. It's everywhere. And what's even more amazing is that you literally paid for it. It's probably apocryphal, but it's claimed that Vladimir Lenin once said, the capitalists will sell us the rope with which we will hang them, which is absolutely true. He never would have imagined, though, capitalists not selling the rope to you, but paying for the rope. That's what we're doing with Huawei. We're paying them to spy on us. So we launched our BanHuawei.com campaign yesterday. Lots of signatures so far. And that's the thing. It's not for us to be the world's liberators to rescue China from its own dictators. We, we can and should criticize China's government as appropriate. I don't think it's within the realm of practical to literally put sanctions on China. I mean, go into any Walmart and tell me how much will be left without Chinese factories, although Trump is slowly changing that by putting on tariffs that really only apply to China. So many factories are leaving China, going elsewhere, including back to America. Incredibly, Apple is now building computers in America. Look at this. 
as something that was just unthinkable even five years ago, even three years ago. So Trump is taking on China big time. The least we can do in Canada is morally support Trump's war, verbally support him, given that China literally has taken Canadian hostages and actually come to think of it, why couldn't we put some sort of sanctions on China? They put them on us. They banned our agricultural goods on fake grounds. I say again, why couldn't we get along without Chinese goods? I think we could. But how about just showing ourselves some self-respect here at home? What, that's what banning Huawei means to me. And here's what else I mean. Look at, look at this story here. Censored by a tech giant, Chinese tech giant, Canadians using WeChat app say they're being blocked. WeChat censorship in China itself has been well documented, but the app may now be extending its tight control over content to this country too. So this is in today's uh, Post Media Network. Here's the, the story. As publisher of one of Canada's few Chinese language newspapers that dares to cover Beijing critically, Jack Jia feels he has a duty to give his readers balanced skeptical reporting. We're going to have to interview this Jack Jia if he's a democracy activist. Uh, back to the story. To that end, he tries to spread the reach of Chinese news by posting his articles on WeChat, the ubiquitous Chinese communications app used extensively by the diaspora here. But that practice hit a sudden obstacle last month when WeChat began restricting his use of the site, blocking access to his account, and delivering an ominous message. Jia had been reported for multiple instances of non-compliance, it said. Sure he was. He has been blocked three more times in recent weeks, the latest incident this past Sunday, but that was not all. For six months, messages Jia posts in group chats have been invisible to users in China, and articles and other posts he puts on his WeChat Moments page, similar to a Facebook timeline, have been inaccessible even to people in Canada and the United States, he says. So he's not just being banned in China, which again shows what a dictatorship it is, but that's there. The key point is they're blocking him here. He's a Canadian. He's talking about news written in Canada. He wants to communicate with other Canadians. It's not violent. It's not pornographic. It's nothing that would result normally in being banned. It's that China is now using companies with roots in China to strangle democracy and free speech in the West. We showed you that American girl, Muslim girl, who was talking, she's a teenager, Talking about Chinese concentration camps, she was deplatformed from the Chinese app called TikTok. In America, she's a, she's an American girl. So here's my point: China is using these apps to censor and punish. Uh, here, those are actions to punish to censor. So obviously, they're using them for surveillance, as in they needed to know what Jack Jia was doing and what that teenager. Faroza Aziz were, were saying they needed to know that they were saying something contrary to Chinese policy, as in they needed to spy on them before they made the decision to, to punish them. So we know they're spying through apps, through, through technology. Obviously, they'd be spying through Huawei hardware, too. China is confident. China is arrogant. China doesn't care about your feelings. China will do whatever it can get away with. I'm talking about the Chinese dictatorship, not good Chinese people. I'm talking about the Communist Party. Here's a story from a few years back. A reporter named Mark Bury was doing some work for Xinhua, the Chinese propaganda news agency. It's like working for Pravda during the Soviet era. I think that's pretty gross, frankly, like working for Der Sturmer in the 30s. But one day, Xinhua asked this Canadian reporter, Mark Bury, 
to do a report that they didn't plan to publish. Here, let me read from the story. They tried to get me to write a report for the Chinese government on the Dalai Lama. Using my press credentials as a way of getting access I wouldn't otherwise have, Mr. Burry, a longtime freelancer who has written for several major Canadian newspapers, said in an interview with the National Post. He alleges there are individuals within Xinhua who are acting as spies, seeking to monitor practitioners of the spiritual movement Falun Gong, the Dalai Lama, and any other critics of the Chinese government in Canada. That I know for sure. So they wanted this reporter's information, but not to publish the information, but to give it to the embassy, give it to the Communist Party directly. I, I know they still do that. Our friend Charles Burton, a former uh, diplomat, a professor and expert in China, China skeptic, he says that Chinese reporters, Xinhua, call him up and pretend to interview him, but he never sees the stories published. That it, it's really spies asking for his insights for political reasons. Now, Professor Burton is very savvy, and obviously he's not giving away any secrets. He's, he's just telling them his point of view, and I think he'll, he would tell anyone his point of view. He's pro-democracy, pro-Western. But that's what Xinhua is, understand. They're spies, pretending to be journalists. They're human versions of WeChat and TikTok and Huawei. That's why Stephen Harper banned Xinhua journalists from going with Harper to his tour of the Canadian Arctic. Isn't that interesting? He knew they would be spying for China, not doing real journalism, so he banned them. What a contrast to Justin Trudeau, who was letting Huawei literally build our northern communications networks. Oh, by the way, look at this. It's a list of officially accredited journalists in our Canadian press gallery in Parliament in Ottawa. Look at that. Xinhua, People's Daily... The, people, the press gallery, these are people who ban rebel reporters from reporting on our parliament. They ban us, but they approve Xinhua and the People's Daily. They're not just propaganda organs for China. They are spies. I wonder what the quid pro quo there is. Are they just stupid liberals who love China for ideological reasons? Or are they literally bribed like so many other people that China works over. I don't know, but I do know this. We need to stop this. We need to ban Huawei. That's why we set up banhuawei.com. And we need to realize who our geopolitical enemies and friends are. Let me close with a question. Would you, would you think that Justin Trudeau, would you think he would ever mock China's dictator Xi Jinping in the same way that he mocked United States President Donald Trump this week, the leader of our greatest ally and friend? Yeah, no. We both know the answer to that. Stay with us for more. Well, he's too fast. And honestly, with Trudeau, he's a nice guy. I, I find him to be a very nice guy. But, you know, the truth is that uh, I called him out on the fact that he's not paying 2%. And I guess he's not very happy about it. I mean, you were there. A couple of you were there. And uh, he's not paying 2%. And he should be paying 2%. It's Canada. They have money. And they should be paying 2%. So I called him out on that. And I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. But that's the way it is. Look, I'm representing the U.S. And... He should be paying more than he's paying, and he understands it. So I can imagine, I can imagine he's not that happy, but that's the way it is. A pretty calm response by Donald Trump about Justin Trudeau, and frankly, 
fairly balanced. I think Justin Trudeau is two-faced with Donald Trump. He really sucks up to him when they're in the same room, but as soon as he's out, he tries to show, oh, I'm, I'm not submissive to Trump, and he badmouths him. I think Trump is right when he says Trudeau is two-faced, but he's a nice enough guy. I mean, he, we can't deny that Trudeau has some charm, at least when he's in the Dr. or the Mr. Hyde mode, as opposed to the Dr. Jekyll, uh, just like he can come across as a feminist uh, until the moment that he isn't. But what does this mean for Canada when the president and leader of the free world, our greatest military ally and commerce partner in commerce, says that Trudeau is two-faced? And the reason it cuts is because we all know it's true. Well, joining us now to talk about this and other momentous event, events at that London NATO summit is our friend Manny Montenegrino, the boss of Think Sharp, who joins us now via Skype from Ottawa. Manny, good to see you again. Good to see you, Ezra. Um, I think Trump was actually pretty calm and pretty factual yeah. there. And, and he wasn't even that angry. I think he was more descript descriptive rather than raging. What do you think? I absolutely right. I think he's um, he's kind of used to seeing people talk to him one way and and uh, another when he's not around. So I think he's acclimatized to that. Um, and certainly he's 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 dealing with that. Um, I, I think um, it you know, it's very disturbing for Canadians uh, that uh, this has happened short into the second mandate of uh uh, the Prime Minister Trudeau, and I, I, you know, obviously it drives, it brings deep concern if we look at the totality of what's involved in in in, in this once again a, a huge uh, diplomatic mistake. Let, let me just uh, uh, catch up our viewers on what led up to the two-faced comment. I just want to play you quickly two other clips, and Manny, you know these very well, and I think our viewers do too. But let's show them anyways. Here's Trump asking Trudeau a question that even I knew the answer to, because I've been following Trump on NATO for a while. All he cares about is getting other countries up to 2% spending of GDP. Take a look at this, where Trump grills Trudeau, and Trudeau doesn't even know the answer. Take a look. Mr. President, uh, Canada does not meet the 2% standard. Should it have a plan to meet the 2% standard? Well, we'll put them on a payment plan, you know? We'll put Canada on a payment plan, right? I'm sure the Prime Minister would love that. What are you at? What, what is your number? Uh, the number we talk about is 70% increase uh, over these past years, uh, including, and for the coming years, uh, including uh, re significant investments in our fighter jets, significant investments in our naval fleets. Uh, we are increasing significantly our defense spending from previous governments that cut it. Okay. Where are you now uh, in terms of your number? We're at 135. 1.3. 1.4. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1.4. And, and continuing there. to move They're forward. They're getting there. They, they, they know it's important to do that. And their economy is doing well. They'll get there quickly, I think. It's, and, look, it's to their benefit. And really. the, the president knows well as well that Canada has been there for every NATO deployment. We have consistently stepped up, uh, sent our troops uh, into harm's way. We're leading in, in Iraq. Uh, we're leading in NATO, in, uh, in Latvia. Uh, we continue to step up uh, like, uh, uh, like uh, most of our allies. There are some countries that, even though they might reach the 2%, uh, don't step up nearly as much. And I think uh, it's important to look at what is actually being done. And the United States and all NATO allies know that Canada is a solid, reliable partner that will continue to defend NATO and defend our interests. And we do have tremendous coordination 
with radar, with all of the different things that, you know, technologically, we have tremendous coordination between Canada and the United States. So even there, Trump's not being angry. Um, no. By the way, Trudeau was lying. It's 1.27%, not 1.4%. Even the CBC caught that fib. Um, Manny, can I just well, show one? Oh, sorry, go ahead on this one. Yeah, well, what's disturbing about that, and you said it, Ezra, uh, for three years, the president has been focused pretty much only on the 2% and everyone's commitment. And why is America putting in 4%, an extra three or $400 billion a year that they pay and others don't. It just, it's alarming. If you, look, if you look at that clip very carefully, not only did the prime minister not know, but neither did the chief of defense staff and neither did the uh, uh, defense minister. There were three or four people that he looked to and they all give three different answers. I think I heard 1.4, 1.3, 1.2. So, uh, you know, in a meeting that basically there's one issue and neither one of the three top people uh, under knew the answer was very alarming. Yeah. You know, we, we were all, maybe we have all memories from when we were school kids and weren't quite prepared and were a little embarrassed. And the teacher asked us, where's your homework? And we tried to obfuscate and then they come back, well, where's your homework? And then we get out of that tight spot and you're with the other kids who were, who were shushed by the teacher. That's how this next clip feels, where Trudeau, Boris Johnson, Macron of France, and I think there was uh, a, the Dutch president and just Dutch prime minister and I think Princess Anne. Here, take a look at this, where the school kids are now talking out, acting out because the teacher's not there. <laughs> you know, by the way, uh, Manny, Joe Biden has already turned that into a, yeah. an attack ad yeah, against I saw that. Uh, Trump. What do you make of that? I mean, we all blow well, off steam, but he did that in a room with the media and cameras rolling, and he had to have known it would be caught on tape or at least lip read. Well, Ezra, it's alarming. And because you have to look, once again, it's not an isolated act. What we are, I mean, Canada is in a very precarious place with China. We have two uh, Michaels in jail. They've been in jail in China for over a year. I understand the conditions are just deplorable. I understand that he's not allowed to see counsel, uh, uh, both Michaels. And I understand that the lights were, are permanently on hmm. in, this, in, this, in this cell that they're in. So they're in horrid condition. What upsets me is in during the election, the prime minister makes a trip to see the to see the president and basically, you know, pleads for U.S. help to help these hostages. And well, we were all happy about that. Maybe something will happen. Well, you don't beg a favor from the United States president and then mock him only months later. Uh, so it was very alarming. I mean, I think about those two young men. Uh, as I say to you, Ezra, not daily, but very frequently, the lives and hell that they're going through. But it isn't just those two young men, Ezra. Yeah. There are, I mean, there are 300,000 Canadians in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. Canadian citizens. We had uh, our law firm, our national law firm, uh, has an, uh, had an office in Hong Kong, has an office. And I, w I went and visited that office. So there are many Canadians that work there. Now, Ezra, 
what my concern is, and everybody knows the tension in China. Mm -hmm. uh, they, I, they could tomorrow walk in and bring in their military as they did in Tiananmen Square. That puts 300,000 Canadians lives in jeopardy. And, and how is Canada going to go respond? Uh, you know that the, the president of the United States just passed the Hong Kong Democracy Act which probably stopped China from doing what, what it, it, it would naturally do and just walk in and take control of Hong Kong. The Hong Kong movement, Ezra, as you may know, uh, is moving into one of the major provinces in China, the democracy movement. Uh, so it, it, it's leaking into China, and there's no question that China is going to step forward and do something about it. So here you have, I mean, if I was prime minister, I'd think of those two young men. I mean, it'd be very hard to put you know, your, your, your head on the pillow not thinking of those two Michaels that are in deplorable conditions. And you've asked the only person in the world that could help, the, the president of the United States, and you mock him months, yeah. months later. Yeah. And, he, and he calls you two-faced. Yeah. There are 300,000 Canadians. Now, Ezra, you might recall in 2006... There was a civil war in Lebanon, right? And, Ca and Canada was caught. Prime Minister Harper at that time had to scramble to get Canadians out, Canadian citizens. And I believe there were 25,000 citizens. It, it, first of all, we had to use other countries' help, and we had to use, you know, expense a lot of money getting boats and people out of there. It's a very arduous thing to get. But Lebanon is pretty easy to get out of versus Hong Kong, mm -hmm. and China is not. You know the, the military that's that's in in the Middle East. So so we Canadians have went through that very. And, and I have Lebanese friends that were very worried about their family and what's going on in Lebanon in 2006. And we we Canada acted quickly, moved quickly with all this diplomacy and got the people out. Well, what's going to happen with 300,000 Canadians yeah. if the president doesn't act? Huh, very interesting. You know, there are more Canadians in Hong Kong than Americans, if surveys are accurate. That's a surprise to me. Um, right. But I guess it goes to the British heritage of uh, Hong Kong. But here's the thing. They were flying those American flags on the street right. because they know, despite the Canadian connection through the Commonwealth, it was Donald Trump and, to, to give them credit, Democrats in the U.S. Congress as well, who passed that bill. And I wish that we were regarded as great allies of freedom. I find it very touching to see the young people of Hong Kong elocute our values of freedom better than I think even many Canadians could do, Manny. I, I have yeah. a deep admiration for them. Absolutely. Ezra, you're right on the numbers. My research shows there are 300,000 Canadians and about 50,000 Americans. We have a greater tie with Hong Kong uh, than America does uh, for a whole host of reasons. And one was we participated uh, in a war with them. So yeah. Canadian Canadians are very close to Hong Kong. Yet it's America. It's under President Trump that that speaks highly and strongly and passed legislation on 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 uh, the Hong Kong Democracy Act. We our prime minister has been very silent, yeah. hasn't said a word. And this is what it all comes down to. You have China's. You know, China's President Xi, who's, who snatched two Michael, two Canadians, put them in jail, arbitrarily did trade wars with canola, and, and, and we had it with pork and other things. The, the, he knows there are 300,000 Canadians there. There's a million Muslims that are, are internment camps uh, that he's, uh, and he's doing all these atrocious things, and our 
prime minister has been very silent. Yeah. Very silent, but very vocal on the president yeah. of the United States. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, um, I mean, listen, we all have blown off steam and said things sure. that we shouldn't, even probably about friends, you know? I mean, I think it's human nature just to blow off steam and to, to talk tough, locker talk. Uh, we generally don't do it with other world leaders. We generally don't do it at an official function with cameras a few feet away. Um, but look, we, uh, we, we all do, well, the trouble with Trudeau is twofold. First of all, that's his default state. I mean, look, uh, he's not a serious man. It's not like he could regale them with policy ideas or even interesting personal stories because, you know, people are sort of, he's not that interesting a guy other than to the CBC fanboys. So all he has is the class clown move. You know, in another era, he'd be whipping out the blackface as a joke. Um, but here's what gets me. First of all, this is his, like, 10th diplomatic gaffe. This is no longer something we can call an anomaly. This is Trudeau. But here's the thing. So let's say we said something really dumb and someone heard us and we're really embarrassed and maybe it's even going to damage us. If, if we're grown up about it, we say sorry. And it doesn't have to be a groveling sorry. Say, so you know what, I, 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 I was just, you know, letting loose or something. But Trudeau did one of his ironic apologies. You know what I'm talking about, Manny, where he's sort of, I'm sorry that you... I mean, it, here, let's, let's roll a clip of it. Here's a little bit. He did not apologize at all. In fact, he sort of doubled down and justified. Take a listen. Uh, last night, I made a reference to the fact that uh, there was an unscheduled press conference uh, before my meeting with uh, President Trump, and I was happy to take part of it. Uh, but it was certainly notable, and I've had a number of good conversations with the president over the course of this, uh, this, this day and yesterday. When you told uh, President Macron and Prime Minister Johnson that you saw Trump's team of advisors' jaws drop yesterday, what were you referring to? What was it that caused that surprise uh, among them? We were all uh, surprised and I think pleased to learn that the next G7 will be uh, at Camp David. Uh, I think that was an unscheduled announcement. and. Uh, uh, I think everyone's team, uh, every different leader has teams who every now and then uh, have uh, their jaws drop at uh, unscheduled surprises like uh, that video itself, for example. So two no. things there, Manny. First is he's saying, I can't believe that it was notable that I had to wait before I could get to my cocktail party because the president of the free world was not moving fast enough. That was notable. So he was doubling down. And the, I'm, frankly, I don't believe his uh, jaw drop. Uh, I mean, my point is, never a flicker of explain or apologize, well, uh, never, never yeah. apologize. He, he'll apologize for everyone else except himself. Well, uh, Ezra, you've now gone on to the second level of what concerns me deeply. And that is, we've already spoke about, uh, you know, the prime minister should be paralyzed, in my view, paralyzed in anxiety dealing with China. Uh, and we talked about the two Michaels, the 300,000 Canadians and the million Muslims that are in China that are being absolutely uh, uh, treated poorly and China's trade war. So we, we, this is unprecedented. Canada hasn't been through a China crisis like this. But let me add this to you. This is where you picked up on a point, and I'm going to verify with more evidence, Ezra, is that we signed the USMCA over a year ago. That's the reno renegotiated NAFTA. Right. And there was a complete and, you know, and, and the prime minister has campaigned and has messaged that this is a great deal for Canada. It hasn't passed parliament. 
he had a majority government for over nine months before the election or 10 months before the election to pass it. He hasn't. Mexico has passed it. So Ezra, you know that's an important part of allegedly to Canada because we sent our negotiators and we got this new modern trade deal that, that hundreds of thousands, millions of jobs are at stake, but we haven't passed parliament. Not one media has asked him directly, why is that the yeah, case if it's really such odd. a good deal? That's crazy. Now, Ezra, this is why, in my humble estimation, is that you know that the Democrats are holding it up in Congress. This is a key win for the president. And they're holding it up. And Trudeau, the prime minister, in my opinion, is doing the bidding for the Democratic Party, not the right. Canadians. I think you're right. You're exactly right. If it's such a good deal as he crowed about, and by the way, I don't think we got such a good deal, but at least we got a deal. Why hasn't he passed it? He had a majority, and he's not making it a priority now. These are very good points, Manny. Boy. Well, I mean, this, is, this, is what, <laughs> this is what I do. I mean, I, I try to build the case. I try to look at the totality of it. So here you're standing next to the president of the United States that you need him deeply on, you know, if we, we have major, you know, you, you, you do a two-faced comment. You ridicule him amongst your friends. And there are Canadians, hundreds of thousands of Canadians in Hong Kong, two young men at stake, our whole NAFTA agreement. You know that Trump's default on NAFTA is not a good one. And we don't know where it's going to go. And great uncertainty. We have a chance to tie it all down. Great certainty for our, uh, our NAFTA, our new NAFTA, USMCA. Put that through Parliament. If that goes through Parliament, that puts pressure on the Democrats because now Mexico and Canada signed it. So they don't, so the Prime Minister doesn't want to put pressure on the Democrats who are the, the majority in Congress, and he puts Canadian businesses, all of it, at great uncertainty. Yeah. He puts Canadian lives at uncertainty, and it's a political move, in my opinion. So that's the only way. I mean, someone has to explain to me, no one's asked the question, but why, Prime Minister, have you not passed NAFTA or USMCA in a year that you had the chance, yeah. and you keep telling and, and telling everyone it's a great deal, and it's going to bring stability, and you've got if you want to say uh, you've got a, a president that seems to go any direction, tie him down. Yeah. Save these jobs for Canada. Yeah. You know, Manny, let me close by playing some uh, footage of Trudeau at previous G20 right. and G7 meetings. This was earlier when no one even recognized him. I mean, he's a celebrity in Canada, but that's a pretty small pond in the world. And when you're talking about serious uh, leaders, I mean, I, don't, I disagree with many world leaders like Macron and Merkel, but though they are serious people. And to see Trudeau wandering around, no one even recognizes him. Maybe people give him a, a short glance, but they won't even, you know, shake his hand or make eye contact. I long for those days, Manny, when no one in the world outside our own borders even knew who Trudeau was, because at least then he couldn't embarrass us to them. He couldn't cause it. If people didn't know who he was, he couldn't cause a diplomatic incident. I long for those. I long for the days of the India dress up party, because at least that didn't destroy our rapport with our, our number one ally. Last word to you, Manny. Well, you, you made a very good point, And I think that's why he got into what I'll call that little high school discussion 
with the other with the other leaders. I think um, the Prime Minister Trudeau knows of what you said. He knows that Canadians have seen those clips, that he seems like an outsider. He knows he doesn't carry the weight that once Canada did. But he also something else, Ezra. It's not about that. It's about himself personally. It is very embarrassing to be caught in those blackface photos and be around worldwide. Uh, and and, and you, he had to deal with that. Right. It must have been very hard. Right. Because I think a lot of people would say, hey, should I be with this guy? Because, yeah. you know, he, he admitted to be a racist. He admitted that he had a life of privilege and that's what caused his racism and he didn't understand. Now, world leaders being next to him, well, there's only one way that he could kind of help his own image, and that is the old trash Trump. Yeah. And, and it works. I mean, it works in parties in Canada. You yeah. just go into a party, you trash Trump and people like you. Yeah. So, so, so I think it's, so, so we're putting Canada and Canadians and, and, and businesses at risk so that, so that the prime minister gets up a notch or two and avoids the embarrassment of telling people why he was dressed up in blackface yeah. three or four times. Yeah. yeah. Huh, very interesting. Manny, great to catch up with you, my friend. Nice to see you. No again. problem. All right. There no you problem. Have it. Manny Montenegrino. He's the boss of Think Sharp and, of course, former uh, senior lawyer at a national law firm and including to lawyer to former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Stay with us. More ahead on the road. Welcome back on my monologue yesterday about our ban Huawei petition. Harry writes, if Canada allows Huawei to put that infrastructure in their country, Canada will stand alone. The U.S. will no longer do anything with Canada. Watch out, Canada, don't do it. Could be. I mean, Susan Rice, Obama's national security advisor, said as much. But I don't think Trudeau cares. I think he actually wants to realign Canada with China. I think he's that kind of a crazy globalist. Rick writes, I believe the U.S. and Canada will have a bad fallout because of Trudeau. Yeah, it's already starting. And I think China likes that. Obviously, they want to peel Canada away from our traditional friend. Phil writes, Donald Trump claims Trudeau is two-faced, so which one is the blackface? Yeah, I think uh, it's more accurate to say that Justin Trudeau is uh, three-faced, wouldn't you, say? <laughs> wouldn't you think so? All right, folks, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.